Welcome to the Planning Parent Podcast, where we talk to real parents and professionals about solutions and strategies to minimize the hustle and bustle that we parents face daily. This is a place where you will come to listen, learn, and share about all things parenting. I am your host, Krista Hermance. I am a busy mom to two little girls, a wife and estate planning attorney with a focus on families with minor children, an entrepreneur, scuba diver, and golf hobbyist. My passion is helping families create simplicity and bliss in their everyday lives. Welcome to our show. I am joined with Carolyn from the Peaceful Parent Project. Carolyn is a parenting coach and a registered Circle of Security parenting facilitator. She helps parents of children zero to five years of age understand their triggers and make sense of their child's behavior through the lens of attachment and development. You can find her on her website at thepeacefulparentproject.com. She is also one of my favorites on Instagram, so make sure to go follow her there. And she's also on TikTok and Facebook. So welcome, Carolyn. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to chat with you. So like I said, I follow you on Instagram. I love the content that you put out there. I think it is exactly what I need to see in what is going on in my life. So I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and I feel like your content is really just like, oh yeah, I had this happen this morning. And you know, this is like a great reminder. So I appreciate the content and please continue to, to keep putting that out there. I think it is very valuable. Thank you so much. I take examples from my own life. Mm-hmm. And so if it feels relatable, it's because I lived it this morning or I lived it last week. <laughs> and so I'm not a parenting coach who doesn't have kids. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also not a parenting coach who has old kids. My kids are, they just turned two and my other one's going to turn four. Mm-hmm. And so I am in the thick of it like everybody else. So I'm drawing examples from real life. So I'm so happy that you find it helpful. I do. I do. Um, Okay. So let's start off with what is peaceful discipline? So I think the difference between peaceful discipline, conscious discipline, mindful discipline, whatever you want to call it, the difference is that we are reflecting ourselves first. Instead of just reacting to our kid's behavior with our gut instinct, which often is how we were parented, Mm -hmm. and so shaming, maybe spanking, yelling, we have to check in with ourselves first. And conscious parenting is about preserving the relationship and preserving the dignity of our child first and foremost. That doesn't mean it's permissive. That doesn't mean we don't have boundaries, but it means that we enforce those boundaries with respect and with kindness. We treat our kids not like many adults because in terms of their brain development, they're not many adults yet. And we need to recognize that but they are whole people and whole humans and we need to treat them as such. Mm -hmm. So if you wouldn't be telling your partner something in a rude or disrespectful tone, you really shouldn't be telling your kids that. And that takes so much conscious effort and so much internal peace. And so that's why I think people call it peaceful, conscious, mindful parenting, whatever word you want to use, because it really has to start with us and Mm -hmm. feeling good Mm -hmm. on the inside. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, I see that with myself all the time. Um, you know, it's like I said, my, my littlest one, she's five and she is, she is my button pusher and the one who pushes me to my limits of trying, trying to figure out how to do it. And I mean, that's, you know, that's really one of the big things with this whole intentional parenting series is 
in seeing all of this content and hearing all of these people and interviewing all of these amazing parenting coaches, it's, I want to show my kid respect, right? I, I completely understand that side of it that, you know, you want to treat them the way that you would treat, you know, any, any other person, the person that you work with, your partner, you know, somebody you see at the grocery store. And I try to do that with my kids, right? But sometimes it's just so hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. Parenting, I think, is the hardest job on the planet. Um, and one of my favorite parenting authors, Alfie Cohen, in the very first page of his book, Unconditional Parenting, he's like, the saying shouldn't go, oh, it's not rocket science. It should be like, it's not as hard as parenting because parenting is mentally, physically, emotionally draining. And I think why it's so draining and so triggering is because it brings up for us a lot of our unresolved childhood baggage. Mm. And when we can kind of bring that to our conscious awareness and make sense of that, it can help us be more intentional with how we respond. And so we're not just doing default parenting. We're not just parenting the way that we were parented because in a lot of cases, our parents didn't have the education. They didn't have the resources. People kind of will like to say, well, you know, there's no books on parenting. Nobody really knows how to do this properly, but that's not true. There's tons of neuroscience. There's tons of attachment research. And so now that we know better, we have to start trying to do better. Mm -hmm. But I get it. It is so, so, so hard, particularly with this last year with COVID. Mm. And so any parent who's showing up saying, I want to do my best and I want to be intentional, you're already a great parent when you start from that mindset. So give yourself a pat on the back, give yourself a hug and know that even in the moments when you're not conscious and when you lose it, you can model for your child that we are all human and you can model for your child how you can make it right again. And so this is a great opportunity to make amends. I am a parenting coach. I still yell at my kids. Probably maybe every other month I'll like lose it. It used to be every week. It used to be every day in the thick of COVID last year. Mm -hmm. And so the goal is not to be perfect. The goal is to try to do better. And the goal is to be compassionate with ourselves because that's how we teach our children to be compassionate with themselves. Hey, if you are enjoying our show, please make sure to subscribe to the Planning Parent podcast and join our community on Facebook at The Planning Parent, where we share resources, you can interact with our guests, you can share your experiences and be part of our parenting community. Now back to our show. So how do we respond instead of reacting to our children's behaviors? So I think that this is such a, a huge loaded question, right? And I think it really depends on the situation. And so I think the first and foremost thing is looking for a pattern okay. in how you react. Are there certain situations that really trigger you and really get under your skin? Because when we react, if you use the R-E-A-C-T, you're rushing to judgment. You're probably exploding. You might be aggressive. You might be grabbing your kid to move them or spank them or whatever it is. And then often we catastrophize. So we start thinking of our kid's behavior in terms of the worst case scenario. If I don't correct this right now, they're going to grow up and be a criminal or they're going to grow up and be a horrible person. And then often many of us taunt them. We'll start using shame or we'll say, 
you know, big boys, big girls, they don't act like this. Or I don't love you when you're behaving like this. I don't want to be around you. And so we want to slow all of that down. Mm -hmm. And this takes time and this takes effort and this takes reflection. And so the goal is not to expect to make a change overnight. That's just not possible. You have to start reflecting at the end of every day and saying to yourself, why did that get under my skin so much? And oftentimes it is something from within us, our own childhood. Mm -hmm. We didn't feel heard. We felt disrespected. We had our boundaries violated. And this is triggering for us because as a child, we weren't respected. And so I think in order to respond, we really need to begin with this self-reflection. We as parents want the best for our kids. Mm -hmm. But when we react in this negative way, subconsciously, we actually are trying to help them. And this sounds kind of backwards, Mm -hmm. but stay with me here. When we have a kid who is freaking out and we're like, nope, that's not okay. As a child, if we were told this behavior was not okay, we were shamed, we were shunned for this, we've learned this behavior is not safe. And so part of it, when we react and we feel so incredibly triggered by our kids and we want to yell and we want to scream and we want to do whatever, we're trying to communicate to them, your behavior is not safe. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to save you from the hurt that I felt as a child. I don't want you to repeat the same mistakes. But the problem is this is unconscious. And so we're trying to help them. But in the process of trying to help them, we're just recreating the pattern because we have a choice and we don't have to recreate that pattern. And so starting with this reflection, why is this so triggering? Why did it make me feel unsafe? And then the next step is empathizing with our kids. Kids are not there to get under our skin. Kids are not there to make us want to pull our hair out. They're trying to communicate their legitimate needs. And oftentimes their behavior is going to be the worst when they need our love the most. So those are kind of the two main things. Start with the self-reflection, empathize with your kid as best you can. Mm -hmm. And then all you got to do is just kind of wait them out, provide some soothing, some silence if you can, if they're willing to let you hug them or hold them. Mm -hmm. But you got to put the relationship first. And then from there, you can set the boundary. And so you can say, I see how angry you are right now, but it's not okay to hit people. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this conscious parenting thing gets a bad rap because people think you're just letting your kid run wild. Mm -hmm. And I'm not. I'm saying, I hear you. I understand you. I want to understand why you feel this way, but I'm still going to set a boundary on your behavior. But it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of practice. Okay. So how do I get my kids to stop hitting then? Because that is one thing that my five-year-old, is she just like, that is the easiest way for her to act out. But it's not with other kids. It's only with her sister. And she just like will immediately like just get this this anger. And it's, I mean, it can range from any range of issue. It's the same level of anger, right? So it's, you know, she accidentally stepped on her, her foot when she was walking by to she ate her chocolate cake. Like the same thing, but like just this amazing level of anger. And then she hits. And I don't like, I don't know how to stop it. So I think step one is kind of understanding from a brain development perspective Mm -hmm. that kids are still learning. And so when they are in a state of stress, 
they flip to their reptilian brain or their downstairs brain, as Dan Siegel calls it. And so Dan Siegel and Holbering Child, for those listeners who aren't familiar with the book, talks about the downstairs brain, which is our like impulsive, just I want to hit, I want to scream, I want to tantrum downstairs brain versus our upstairs brain, which is logical and can plan and can reason and can see, oh, you know, if I do this, it's going to impact somebody else in a negative way. And so first and foremost is when kids are dysregulated, he says they flip their lid. And so if you think of the bottom of the hand as the downstairs brain, the top of the hand as the upstairs brain, they like literally can't access that part of their brain. And so having empathy in the moment, because if we rush in and we're like, why did you do that? What's going on? We're just creating more dysregulation. So we need our regulated brain to help regulate their nervous system. But you're like, that doesn't help me with prevention, right? And so it really is about looking for a pattern in the behavior. So is she tired? Is she hungry? Is she coming home after school? And from there, you can try to look at ways of diffusing the situation. Oftentimes, it's really hard. There's so much going on with parents. We're trying to get dinner on the table. We're trying to get homework done, whatever it is. We're trying to keep the house from falling apart. And it's really easy to miss the subtle signs of dysregulation in our kids. And so it might seem like it's coming out of nowhere, but maybe she had a bad day at school or maybe her sibling did something that she didn't like that we didn't see, right? And so coming at the situation with empathy. It's, I mean, I, it's just such a hard thing because it's, I know, I know she's young, right? She's five. Yeah. Um, and, but it's just this, like, I try to have empathy, but in the same sense, like my other daughter is now crying and it's just this continuous thing. And it's just, you know, even if I'm, you know, trying to get to and looking for the patterns and showing her empathy, it's like, I can't like let my seven-year-old just sit there crying because she's, you know, being hit by my five-year-old, you know, and she knows not to hit. So she's not hitting her back, you know, and she's literally running away from her screaming. So it's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm hoping that she'll just, she'll grow out of it soon, um, is, you know, what I'm hoping for. Some of it is age and maturity. And all we can do is share our calm. But in terms of your kids, like if one child is crying, the victim, we need to address them first and show them the empathy first. And so when I say be empathetic, I'm not saying that you focus all the attention on your five-year-old who's doing the hitting. The best, often kids hit because they're looking for attention and they actually need you to come over and help them regulate. Um, And so when she is hitting and kind of circling back when I lost my train of thought, when we're looking at this dysregulation and we're looking at the behavior, is she getting more erratic? Is she kind of unable to focus? Is she getting hyper and looking for these signs that happen perhaps before the hitting. But there is a difference between your five-year-old and your seven-year-old because your seven-year-old has a more developed brain. This brain development really happens between five and seven. And so your seven-year-old is really so much further ahead when it comes to where she's at. Um, but holding the boundary of, I'm not going to let you hit your sister. You Sorry, you have two girls. 
I'm not going to let you hit your sister. I'm going to give hugs and kisses and cuddles to the one who's hurt and then showing empathy. But if we come at our kids with, why did you do that? She doesn't know why she did it. A lot of times kids will hit when they want us to come over, when they want us to help them because it's an attachment behavior. It's not a pleasant behavior for them or for us. But when the attachment system is activated, when they need that connection from us, they often act in ways that we don't like because that's a signal, come over here and stop me. And it's not a challenge. It's not her trying to say, oh, like watch if you can stop me. But it's the same thing with a baby crying. We're moved to try to help them stop crying because we don't like it. And so if she acts in a way that you don't like, She knows that you're going to come over. And so you really have to focus on some skill building kind of after the fact, but you can't have that conversation with her until she's more calm and she's more regulated. And so helping your daughter who's hurt, and then once she's calmed down, approaching your other daughter with the love and support of, I know you didn't like that she did that or whatever it is, and trying to show her that compassion, but then saying, we got to find a better way to communicate this. And giving her the tools because a lot of people want to punish their kids out of a negative behavior, but you can't teach somebody by punishing them. So to say, I'm going to give you the tools or I'm going to give you the words. And so if your older sister is doing something you don't like, you can say, stop, don't do that. You can stomp your feet. You can throw your hands up in the air. You can, whatever it is, but you can't hit. And every single time she hits, approaching her with empathy, but then following up the empathy with the skill building, if that Mm. makes sense. Yep. It does. Okay. Okay. So how do we say no to our kids? (laughs) You know what? Kids need to hear no, Mm -hmm. right? They don't feel good when there's no boundaries. And I think a lot of parents want to make their kids happy. And they think the job of of a parent is to make their child happy, but it's not. We need to show in circle of security parenting speak, which is what I facilitate. We as the parent need to be bigger, stronger, wiser, and kind. And part of being bigger and stronger and wiser is that we need to set boundaries and we need to set limits. And so there's nothing wrong with saying no to your child. Ideally, if we can give them some sort of an explanation to say, I can't let you do that because it's unsafe or I'm sorry, no, you can't have ice cream. There's nothing wrong with that. If our kids protest, oftentimes they don't actually need more of an explanation. If we've already explained ourselves, we can say, I know it's really hard to hear no. I know that this is so frustrating. But to go on and on, you just get locked into an argument with your kids and it ends up they end up becoming really good negotiators, but they don't always end up learning to be able to trust our authority. And so kids need to know that we're going to take charge when necessary and that our no means something. But that said, we need to be confident in our no. If we're going to say no, before we set that boundary, we need to do a gut check and say, am I saying no because this is actually unsafe or am I saying no because it's actually inappropriate to have ice cream for dinner? Or is there a way I can say yes? And so saying yes and. So yes, you can have ice cream. We got to wait till after dinner. Or yes, you can watch more TV. We're going to watch some more TV tomorrow. 
And so instead of making our default a no, because that's really hard for kids to hear and really hard for them to accept, starting it with a yes, if we can, and then just reflecting, is this a boundary I'm willing to hold? Because if it's not, then you're just going to end up in a situation where your kid's going to negotiate. And not that there's anything wrong with negotiating. It has a time and a place. But if we can't hold firm on our boundaries, they're going to just keep pushing them because they won't be able to trust that we mean what we say. Okay. Okay. I am going to wrap up this podcast with two specific scenarios that I think our listeners can relate to and hopefully get some, some good ideas. So we'll, we'll keep your answers brief in, um, in kind of like this, this, uh, this quick round of, of situations. Okay. Okay. So how do you respond when your child won't listen? I think you need to respond by knowing that your worth as a parent is not dependent on your child's listening to you. We cannot control if our kid is going to listen. And if we're tempted to use force to physically make them listen, they're going to go into fight or flight, and then they're going to have an even harder time listening. So coming back to this idea of reacting and responding, if our kid's not listening, our first step is to take a deep breath and to self-regulate and know it's okay. Even as an adult, I don't always listen to what other people say. (laughs) I know that's not the answer that you wanted, but... That's the answer I'm going to go with. Okay. Um, what do you do when your kids yell at you? That's tough. And that happens to me a lot. They seem to really want to scream right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing I cannot physically stop you from yelling, aside from like muzzling you. And so trying again not to react Because the more we react, the more they're going to get locked into that behavior. Um, But I usually respond by saying something like, I'm having, I know you're trying to tell me something important. So coming back to this validation and this empathy, I know you're trying to communicate something very important to me. I have a really hard time hearing you when you're using that voice. Mm. Can you please repeat that in a tone that I can understand better? Mm. Because if you ignore it, it's going to continue. If you try to shame it, it's going to escalate. And so telling them what you want and giving them the tools, and if they want to keep yelling, that's fine. You can just sit there and say, I'm ready to listen when you're ready to tell me in a voice I can understand. Okay. I like that one. I will try that one. I will. Okay. That's a good one. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you again for being on the podcast. I appreciate your insights. I'm excited to take these back to my kids. and I know that there are other parents that are in very similar situations that this is going to resonate with. Um, I also wanted to mention that um, you have an offer through your coaching um, where you're sharing a discount to our listeners um, on coaching, whether it's one-on-one or part of your eight-week Circle of Security Parenting Program. So I will have details um, with to all that information in our show notes and then also links to find you um, on your website as well as on your social media handles. So awesome. Yeah. So thank you again for being here. I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Krista. It was great talking to you. Thank you for joining us for the Planning Parent Podcast. 
please make sure to subscribe, rate, write a review, and share our podcast. Please check the show notes for resources and all the ways to connect with us, including joining our community on Facebook at The Planning Parent, and follow us on Instagram at The Planning Parent. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and got some great solutions and strategies to help you achieve the simplicity and bliss you deserve. And remember, take a deep breath. You do matter. You're doing a great job.